0: I think what we're seeing with new cloud computing, new AI, new digital tech, the skill set that our students need now is just that much more advanced. Opening minds, opening doors with EACT, the inspirational education podcast.
1: I'm Michelle Livesey, a journalist with Power Media, which has radio stations across the country from Magic to Absolute, KISS, The Greatest Hits and The Hits Network as well. In this episode of Opening Minds, Opening Doors, we're looking at education and technology, how tech and AI is developing, the pros and the cons, and how we can invest in the talent of the future. Joining us for this episode, we have Ikenna Uzo, who is a data and AI specialist at Google Cloud. And we've got Neela Palmer, who's EAT's Chief Digital Officer. First of all, I guess to you, Ikena, tell me a bit about your role and what it is exactly that you do.
2: So my role at Google Cloud, at that of data and AI um Specialist is helping organizations design their data and AI platform. Uh, but before then, I've also had the experience as senior manager for data analytics working at Amazon as well as a head of data for Visit Britain. And all in all, I've had over 13 years of experience working in cloud, working in AI, and I'm helping organizations design all things data and helping them get meaningful value from their data.
1: And over all those years, how much have you seen it change and develop?
2: I would say a lot of us have evolved over time. Uh, you think about the advent uh, in a, the the rave now is that of Gen AI and all of this stuff. So some few years back, uh, you wouldn't those things were not common. Although those technology must have existed in one form or the other, but they've evolved uh, over time uh, to make it a bit more. Uh, user-friendly, and the technology as well has been able to solve much more problems than it can it can do now. So I think a lot has changed. And in terms of the world of technology, we've seen introductions of a lot of new things like uh, cloud computing, where organizations no longer have to own light servers and own data centers. Now they are now uh, could just work with a cloud vendor and be able to have all the applications run on those systems. So I'd say a lot of change and the skill sets as well has changed over time as we've, we've gone along. Yeah.
1: Is it all about making things easier for people?
2: Convenience definitely is one of the uh, concepts of a lot of the ideas, technology improvements would see, right? These days you can stay on your bed, make an order, uh, the food arrives and you, you, you're eating, you could, you, could, you could order a cab and all of this. So definitely there's an element of uh, convenience that always comes with most of the technology. Uh, improvement we see, uh, but apart from the convenience, there's also some uh, business measures and metrics that also comes with that. In terms of efficiency, productivity, how do we become more productive? How do we become more efficient in the way we we get to do things uh, in the business? Also, apart from cost saving and all of that, but how do you identify new opportunities? How do you grow your business? And how do you bring in all those data points to and technology to help you find the next? you should be investing in as a company and therefore grow your company uh, substantially. Yeah.
1: And how does that Neil, and transfer over to education? Because obviously all these things that we're hearing about here have got to start somewhere in the classroom in t- terms of building those skills.
0: So it obviously adds a lot of pressure to education, <laughs> no doubt. Um, but you know, digital's always been there. We have what we call the Um, computing curriculum in our primary and our secondary across our schools. Uh, We work very hard to encourage our students to have a lot of digital opportunities. So that sort of momentum and journey has already started. I think what we're seeing with new cloud computing, uh, new AI, new digital tech, the skill set that our students need now is just that much more advanced. Um, Many, I would say that not just our schools, of course, but across the globe, it's very difficult to keep up with the advent of the new digital skills coming on board. Even us as adults are struggling to, to jump on board with all the new gen AI tools and skills that we need. So. It's a challenge nonetheless, and just trying to make sure that our teachers have the confidence, they're able to use the technologies, they know what they are, what the opportunities and threats are. That itself is a minefield. Um, So there are challenges and benefits across both sides.
1: Because like you say, from a sort of student's point of view and young people, they are finding out faster and moving with the times. And like you say, if it's something that teachers haven't come across, were the challenges there in terms of, as you say, making sure that they're also there at that level.
0: Uh, Very much so and I think many teachers tend to be parents as themselves so they'll see their own children using these tools and I've actually had um, you know a a parent come to me who is an educator and told her child to take for instance chat GPT off their computer not knowing that it's actually browser-led so it's just giving them the sort of information that AI tools are now going to come into our world. And like I said to you earlier, the genie's out of the bottle. So we need to know how to work with it in a really positive manner so that our students can learn to embrace it positively too. I think if we continuously um, mention the cheating word or plagiarism or the negative aspects of it, then we will start our journey quite negatively. And, and that's something we need to become very aware of. Do you find that that there's a lot
1: of negativity around AI, particularly as that develops, rather than the positives?
2: Yeah, uh, with technology most times, right, when when it comes, especially when it's uh, it's introduced, there's always a lot of uh, people always afraid of what you're known of what could happen with the technology and all that. And, and when you think about it from the internet days to when we had uh, the cloud computing and all the uh, big data platforms, there's always been, oh, people would lose their jobs. There would be this part of it. And that's, uh, And some of those things are real. So there's some of those challenges and all those things. I think that's the role for where regulation should play a part, making sure we need to get some of those challenges and make sure things are done properly. But I think we should also switch our mindset to think about, the good such technology can do uh, for, for us, right? Think about uh, I think Anina uh, was talking about um, uh, the students using generative AI tools to be able to learn, right? Uh, think about the power of having a personal tutor, as an AI personal tutor, and you have an assignment, you were able to, it helps you design uh, the framework around how you should think about uh, writing an essay, and that, therefore you could bring in your own creativity into, into that. Uh, because I personally believe uh, human minds uh, should actually be used for processing information rather than doing all the storing, right? So what I mean by that is most of the information are available, say, online and the Internet and, and some of the generative AI tools. But I think what where, where we should start moving towards is how do we teach our, our, our children to uh, to apply those information to solving problems, Right? So it's not about you you get a good grade in doing X,Y,Z or uh, helping you do uh, assignments and all of that. Yes, that's one element. But in the real world,' we don't, it's not assignments we do, right? We tend to solve problems. right So that mindset, the way of solving problems using those technology tools, including AI, it's definitely an area where we should actually encourage our children to start thinking a bit more creatively using those tools as an enabler to help them solve such problems and, and discover new opportunities.
1: Do you find that that carries <laughs> over into the classroom? <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> if I can be very honest, yeah. I think those schools who probably are quite more open minded and fast forward and have innovation breeding grounds, then that sort of work could potentially happen. I think we need to be very careful, though, with whole of the whole generative AI um, tool in itself. It's quite biased. We've got to teach our children that it's a very um, biased tool and be able to discriminate what's true and what's not, what applies in our community, what doesn't. I think they also, it's really important they know how to ask the right questions. Um, You'll ask a simple question, you'll get a simple answer. If you really wanna start connecting the dots, then you need to be able to look at the different angles of your question, and I think to some point it can really enhance our creativity and deeper thinking. Uh, But if our teachers don't know how to use it, yeah, sure, some of our students might be able to do it as they get older, Um, but if you haven't started that journey with them, then they won't use it in the way that we'd like them to monopolize and capitalize on that opportunity.
1: How do you start that journey
0: then in terms of introducing it? Yeah, so we, like I said, we have a digital literacy curriculum that we do with the primary years. And so we get the students to learn how to program and code, uh, do a lot of creative thinking, um, use a lot of data, understanding collaboration, cloud-based technology. Those are just the foundational skills. Like anything else, if you're going to cross the road, you need to know safety, you need to know the basics. So we do that with our students. As they get older, of course, we look at more advanced concepts. But currently we're working on... Um, an artificial intelligence literacy toolkit. So, what are some of the skills that our students need? You know, I mentioned being able to get away from bias. But well, what I haven't said yet, which I think is absolutely critical, is that human skill set that AI is not going to have. So, of course, everything's going to be made online, and of course, they'll be able to. Um, The data processing systems will be able to scrape the information it needs to spit out the data back at us. But the thing that's going to be absolutely genuine and innovative and creative and not touchable is the conversation we're having here because that hasn't gone online yet. So it's those conversations. They're almost going to have to go back to our bare basics and get our students to start talking to each other, having that eye contact, having these little forums, and that's going to be the gold dust.
1: I mean, you work in the industry, you know, you spoke about your career over the last 13 years. This wasn't around 13 years ago, and yet here you are. How did that journey develop for you? Were you teaching yourself in your own personal time? Were you adapting with it? How did that go?
2: No, uh, interesting question because uh, been, my journey has been quite a journey, I'd say, right? Uh, so I was born in Lagos, Nigeria, right? Uh, where I started, um. I uh, did university and found myself in, um, uh, studied uh, computer engineering and all of that as my first degree. Uh, but while growing up and doing those courses at those earlier time, uh, some of the technologies where we didn't have access to them, uh, back home, right? Some of the schools, if you weren't privileged to go to some kind of schools, you might have uh, some issues actually working with latest technologies and some of the stuff. So uh, what has happened over time was actually an infusion of uh, learning by doing. So found myself in jobs where they use those technologies. So the idea was now, okay, if they use the technology, you would then start learning how to do that. Uh, so learning how to to write codes learning how to use the tools and, and 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 cloud services to to solve problems and then when i finally moved over to the uk i actually said wow this is there's a lot of opportunities here there's a lot of uh, uh, new generation tools and all that so it's still the same concept of applying oneself to trying to learn all, all, all the latest technology because technology, the, the field of technology is a fast moving one, right? So to, uh, what we, we were discussing last three years is different from what we're discussing now. So that's one of the points I want to call out in terms of some of the things we should uh, values or, or skill sets which you embed in our, our kids, either pre-college or, or during college, is the, the concept of learning how to learn. Right. For me, that's one of the biggest thing you take out of the schooling system, because there's a lot of unknowns, right, while while you're going to school. You don't know what the world will be when you graduate. That's the, that's the, that's the truth. You, you start out, you are in high school, in uni, four or five years or 10 years after. The world is a different place. So there has to be that concept of, yes, there would be things I wouldn't know. But I should have the ability to be able to synthesize information and learn it. right? So I think that aspect of um, uh, that tenacity, that discipline to be able to sit down and pick information and, and synthesize it and be able to do something with it. It's one of those also critical uh, skills I think uh, students should also pick up. Of course, we do have uh, the the, word, the first one around basically tracing knowledge of maths, and all of this stuff. But also, the third one in that bucket will then be things around uh, future of work skills, right, which um, oh. uh, Ania talked about a bit uh, more in that sense. So all those future of work skills will include looking at where will the world uh, be in the next couple of years, right? Uh, concept of uh, prompt engineering, as you rightly said, for example, who, who knew that uh, English language or whatever languages you, you speak would be the new programming language in the sense that you just need to be able to write, uh, direct a machine, write a prompt that ask the machine or AI to do a certain thing and it does it without you having to know all the syntaxes and all the codes behind it. So that's that's actually powerful in terms of uh, the problem that would solve and the ease of actually creating a lot of application of the future will tie onto that. So I'll summarize by saying in that, in that context, it's about learning how to learn and also keeping your eyes open right, to what's happening around. I think that's where school also might play a part around creating that awareness, right? So when you're coming up, you know there's something called prompt engineering while you're in high school, right? So you don't only think it's only becoming a doctor or nurse or all those other careers that you might do. There might be other careers of the future in that sense might also be something to look out for.
1: I suppose that goes back to what you were saying, doesn't it? It's like having the the human mindset that can kind of process all that and use it in the right way. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think just picking up on his point about opening up career opportunities for students, Uh, You know, that's one of our things we really want to focus on giving them that mindset, that breadth of knowledge that you don't have to follow a particular journey. There's so many different types of career opportunities you can have. So there's a focus on STEAM. There's a focus on working with potential partners in industry to see how they can support our schools, you know, offer us the experiences of drone technology, offer us robotics, give students the, the, the widening view of what it is to work in multimedia and animation. So I think it's just giving them all those different opportunities other than just focusing on computing and programming or just focusing on a particular type of digital technology. And I think that's probably where we need to put more emphasis, particularly even with our teachers. So working in this environment where they're now all through digital transform transformation with our schools you know, I want them to think bigger than just working with just Microsoft tools, because there's so much more that we do. The world runs on different cloud computing programs. It runs on cloud services, Netflix, Spotify, you know, you name it, social media, that's all, we use it all the time. And in some way or the other, we implemented, we integrated it within our teaching patterns. So it's that sort of openness, um, awareness, flexibility, adaptability, not only do our teachers need it, but even our students do. And so it's those skills that we'd like to take forward in our environment. Are you finding that uh, a lot of students are interested in this area now? I think They're very interested. They're probably already very active in this area. Our concern with this is the safeguarding measures around it um, and hence why we have such strong sort of filters and, and monitoring systems in the back end. And we have to by trade. That's what we do in schools, unfortunately. And, you know, there's a there's a double edged sword here. We want to control what's happening in the environment to keep them safe. But we know very well they're going to go home into that environment. So there's a learning opportunity there that perhaps we need to work on and introduce it slowly but steadily in our environment with particular cohorts perhaps before we can roll it out to all the year uh, groups. And it's really just a cycle of what happened with using tablets in schools, bringing them into the environment, starting with older children first, then dropping it down into younger years. Now, maybe I'm showing my age, but it's just literally another cycle of new technology that's coming into our environment. And there's different elements to online safety, isn't there, because there's the
1: protecting the children's side, and you mentioned before how what's real and what's not real do you find, Akhena, as well, that you've got to be aware constantly and um, protecting against online hackers, fraud, all, all those elements as well?
2: Yeah, I think the, the, when we see online, it's a, it's a big place, right? A lot of things are happening um, there, right? A lot of information is passing across from one side to the other. And anybody that has a website can put up any information they like and as well as doing all of that. So I think that, yeah, definitely there's a role for... Um, Understanding, playing around the concept, all this concept of misinformation, disinformation. How do you? It's a it's a tough problem to solve, right? Because uh, sometimes the you you need to have authoritative sources to confirm those information are correct or, or wrong, and all of that. And I think all the uh, social media platform and all of these are really working on saying how do we ensure that the information we we put out there is uh, is right. And definitely, I'm all for. Uh, that safeguarding, making sure uh, this, the right content are exposed at the right age to to to, to different people. So at that point, they, they they when they have a bit more of the mindset to make their own decisions and all of those stuff as well. So it's uh it's uh, it's a challenge, but it's one that is solvable. It's one that uh, over time it would. Uh, keep getting better as the technology to do that gets better. But apart from the technology also, the regulators also have some part to play around that as well, keeping everyone safe in that context, yeah.
1: Going back to AI and we were talking about, um, I think you mentioned an example of a parent who deleted something off their um, child's computer. Why do you think there's such a fear around AI and developing technology?
0: Because they don't know. You you know, you, you worry and fear about things that you don't know. I think perhaps what we need to make aware is that we use AI every day. Satnavs, Netflix, Spotify, that's all run through AI. And we've accepted it very easily into our lifestyles because, like you said, it's made it easy, more convenient. It's added color to our lifestyle to some, some degree. And so in a similar context with AI, if we use it in its right manner, it could just benefit us more than anything else. Often there was this phrase that edtech would reduce teacher workload, and I really struggled with it, even though everybody talked about it. But you know, I was not quiet about it. So, but with AI-generated by, it really does significantly reduce teacher workload. You know, you can write up documents, you can write up essays, you can mark papers in matters of seconds and minutes. Um, and I was saying to you that when I show it now to teachers and and heads, they they're stunned at what could happen. And I've had so many of them come up to me and say, "You've transformed our lives." And that's what we want to hear that's in a positive manner of course you have to let them know that we have to educate our children that ai is not the ultimate answer you've got to be able to challenge it you've got to be able to debate it so if you sit in a self-driven um a self-automated car and you want to sleep in the back of seat of the car are you allowed to do is it legally allowed to do so and ethically are you willing to close up you know, uh, uh, let your life online with an AI, knowing that it's going to take you where you need to get to. So it's, it's answering those bigger questions that we haven't got to yet. But those are the sort of problem-solving activities that like I was talking about that we need to get our children to think about. We don't have those problems yet, but what we do have is the present and the problems that we have are the present. And they're just going to get more complicated, so we work with it on a daily basis. This must be really refreshing from your point of view,
1: Kendra, being in that career, to know that, schools really are focusing on this and, and working with people like yourself to develop the appropriate skills to go into that
2: area? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's a welcome development because think about it this way. There will need to be people to manage these systems in the future, right? So that's it. So we feel that the schools are going to form those pipelines, right? To bring in fresh new talents, fresh new ideas. Uh, because uh, generally in the field of tech, right, uh, talent shortage is also one of the things that they are struggling with, right? Getting a very good uh, talents to fill in roles and, and also this might be the uh, problem around the mismatch between some of the things uh, our students are learning and what the industries uh, want, right? I, I definitely think uh, work has started there, but I think we could do more around bringing in more industry experts into the classroom, helping uh, getting industry experts and, and working closely with the schools to design those curriculums uh, that would have definitely feed uh, what the next, uh, the future of work would look like for us, uh, as well as also just um, increasing that collaboration and hands-on experience. Uh, yes, the, the theory and all of those things are nice, but... Uh, when you get to doing a job, most of the time you have to do something. You, you might know, you might understand the theory and uh, how everything comes together, but you need to have played with the technology, see how it works, and all that comes together. So definitely it's what we we really want. We want more. We want more people, more schools to get in uh uh, get more people uh, to understand um, what 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 does does work of the future would be like, and how how they would help us get those talents for the future. Yeah.
1: And do you find there's a, a balance of people that want to get into the industry, or is there unrepresented people in the community that w- we need more of? Or you, how's it how's it work in that sense?
0: From my perspective, as many children as we can educate with a wider perspective on their lives, that. Would be our our goal, our ambition. Uh, we want to give every child a you know the option to choose what's right for them. So, in terms of our most of our schools are in a, in a, that sort of community, a wide community. So, in that sense, hopefully, we're taking all the right boxes and in, in giving them the education they need. I would love to say that we could give them these skills now, but we're in a process of also discovering ourselves. We have the foundation set. There's so much more we want to do. And so hearing Akina saying that, you know, let's get the industry experts into the classroom. Let's bring them into the innovation hubs. That is per, that's, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Um, so that would be our next port of call when we develop these innovation centres to get the partners on board and work with our students and work with ourselves just to open mindsets. Is funding an issue? Funding is always an issue <laughs> anywhere in any industry. Um, but I think, I genuinely think partners want to play a very strong role and an important role in our education as well, particularly for the students. So I think when through partnerships, there there are things that we could make happen.
1: And it's like you were saying, Kenna, you've got to invest in the talent of the future, haven't you, at the end of the day?
2: Exactly. So that's uh, definitely, the, so industries, it's like if, you, if you're sitting on the board of Components, right you need one of the issues that should be in your mind is long-term uh, sustainability of your company and one of the components of long-term sustainability is people that are going to work in the in your company in the next 10 20 30 years right so if you're thinking around it from a more strategic point of view you need to those kind of uh, ideas has to come you need to you need to keep out uh, have budget to help encourage people to, to, to have interest, because it starts by having an interest. So, how, how does organization help uh, the ecosystem of students coming up from the schools have interest in wanting to do some of the work of the future? And how, apart from the interest, how do you get them, uh, give them the access to some of the new technology as well? to be able to, to, to play around and also get hands-on on some of the, the things as well. So I definitely think there's a part that uh, corporates or, or organizations in, in, in general should play uh, if we want to continue to experience uh, growth in, in those companies. Because if you pick a scenario where, where you're not investing in that and a lot of other people going that are going to work in those companies are not interested in it then there's a big problem because who's going to run all those AIs we're talking about in the future? Who are the people that are going to manage those cloud platforms, those data centers that are going to power all the applications we're using? So that becomes a big challenge. So I think it should be a board-level conversations now for people, organizations to begin to think about that and how, how to make the organization sustainable.
0: If I can give you an example, we've recently collaborated with a partner who offered us voice technology. And it was really there for the teachers so that they could, they didn't have to be in front of a computer or in front of the laptops while they were teaching in front of the class or wherever they were in the class. What we found was while the teacher was obviously using the voice technology to conduct the lessons and just move from um, slide to slide or browser to browser, It was the students who picked up on how to use the voice technology better than the teachers. And so then in the end, they were able to phrase their sentences, use their prompting to not only support the teacher, but then also to do do what they needed to do in the classroom. So I think it's turning moments like that when we work with partners who are giving us the technology that we know exists today. And that's really how our students use it. They'll talk to Siri. So in a similar manner, we've brought voice tech in the classroom so they can continuously ask questions and deepen their learning. You might be studying about glaciers next thing you know you'll be talking about climate change and then you'll be asking the questions to the voice tech or to whatever there is an Alexa in the classroom to really get down to the integrity of it.
1: That's fantastic it's just understanding it isn't it like we said before there's a fear because you don't understand but actually if you understand it and it's done in the right way then it's it's the only way is up with it really. Mm -hmm. In terms of uh, accessibility underrepresented groups what do you think can be done to kind of break that down and, and open it up to
2: all I think there are a couple of uh, things here that we, we can look at. But first of all, let's, uh, let's think about some of the benefits of doing that, right? Um, firstly, we, we say we have shortage of uh, talents in some industries, right? And, and we don't have participation of the entire workforce to help power the industry. So on the one hand, we say we need talents. On the other hand, we are not uh, very inclusive in the way we bring all those talents uh, into play. A good example is uh, thinking about well, specifically talking about tech right if you want to think about the number of uh of, of females in tech that's uh, that number is not where it should be right in terms of the percentages so for example that means we're cutting out the big uh, uh, chunk of um, of that so I think there's a stat from tech nations that says about um, of course women make up fifty percent of the workforce but just twenty six percent of the of the um, of the tech workforce, so that means there's, there's some gap we need to still uh, bridge there. So when you start talking about other area of inclusion, for example, in terms of raise and all of the stuff, so the the numbers even get a bit more uh, problematic, right? So so about thirteen, I think it was technician survey they did in there, and there was about. Uh, uh, I think about 13 or 16 percent of people that live within the London area, for example, are, are people of colour, black people. Uh, but about three percent or so of those are people in tech, for example. So, so some of these stats just begin to make you understand that okay, there could still be some work to be done in terms of um, uh, and why it's important to to have uh, inclusivity or representation in, in tech is. A, co- a couple of reasons, right? Uh, the for you to build technology that will be used by everybody, uh, everybody has to play a part in building it, right? To pre- prevent all those problems of bias and all of those things that come around that. Uh, second reasons might be around uh, wealth creation. We know tech is one of the big areas where uh, a lot of wealth is being created from technology that know how to do it well, co- companies that know how to do it well. So if you don't have representation in that way, you further be exacerbating the, the world gap in that sense. So that's also uh, one other area that I also think in terms of um, what we could do. So those are some of the, and of course, the, the last point would be on that, on that one in terms of benefits, just a fair thing to do, right? So we need everybody participating, calling into the society and helping to grow uh, the, the society. Therefore, so how do we fix the problem? So I, I just recently completed an executive MBA at, at Cambridge, and my, my 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 thesis or my my project I did was on how do we solve the problem of um, um, talent shortage in tech. Right, and one of the, the, the some an area of very a big passion for me. I, I spend the entire dissertation studying it, so it has to be something of a serious passion. But yeah, I, I, I had to look at it, and one of some of the things I began to see is that the first thing I, I quickly found out that could be a way to solve it is widening the pool through which we source talents, Right? Uh, currently, I still believe uh, it's not it's not wide enough. We still might get talent from the same kind of places we get them historically. Why? If you do that, therefore, you would miss out in some brilliant talent that might not have gone to kind of schools or been fortunate to have some kind of background. Therefore, you miss out those kind of talent. So I think uh, companies should consciously. Think about where they get the pool of talent from uh, in terms of that's one one I would say. Uh, Second thing is around affordability, right? It's it's still a problem for a lot of people to afford to to attend some kind of schools because of the cost and all of that. So how do you make it a bit more affordable, right? What kind of models do you introduce to help uh, people typically that might not be able to afford it, afford it, right? So it could be in form of scholarship, it could be in form of internship, it could be in form of a dif- different models, but the, the goal is we should think about how we would include, uh, get people the right, even if they can't uh, naturally afford it, how do they get into 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 that uh, as well? So those are some of the things um, that could be done. A third thing for me as well is around aligning the incentive of education providers and the students, right? I think it was a CIPD um, report that said almost about 50% of uh of students don't get a job after six after six months or something like that, right? So that's a problem. If you finish spending time going to school and, and at the end of the day, you can't get a job, right? So I think there should be some incentives around how do, do we align incentives of um, educational providers with the student. And most students, their incentive is to get a good job. How do we make that happen? All hands has to be on deck from from the corporations, the educational providers, to make sure they get the skills that are uh, industry relevant skills that they can apply to to the workforce. I'd say
1: that transition period's really important, isn't it? Going back from school to, like, say, the real world of work. Mm-hmm. I,
2: I,
0: actually, I, from my point of view, I think tech is just tech, and we're all using it in some way or the other. Our students are using it as well, I, and. In, and And there was the argument that we only got 6% of girls in programming at one point. But not everybody does programming. You know, not everybody wants to program and and write code. So there are different versions of tech. And to be quite honest, at where we are now today, tech is just integrated in all our lifestyles. So I'm not even sure that there is that disparity anymore. Sure, we may not have the workforce skills. That's a different conversation. But in terms of integrating tech in our lifestyles, in our curriculum, in our thinking, in our mindset... Like it or not, it's there. And it's probably got more accelerated since the pandemic, where now if we can't be somewhere, don't worry about it, we'll Zoom or we'll Teams, we'll be there. So that sort of mentality has shifted. I think what we need to do more is extend the um, the recognition of multimedia, of podcasting, of uh, programming, of uh, robotics, of AI, all those different types of tech, because there's a role to play in all of
2: them.
1: Tell us about your foundation, Akena.
2: I co-founded a foundation called Metamorphos Africa, and what we're just trying to do is still based on the idea that we need more uh, representation in tech, right? So it's just how do we, uh, people that naturally did not go through the path to, to get uh, a kind of education, how do we do a, a stopgap mentoring program to get you into things like data analytics, or get you things into like software engineering. So what we typically do is try to match experienced people working in uh, in, in companies with people that uh, would want those kind of mentors. So within my network and the broader network, we just match people. And what we've seen quickly is that that has created one the awareness of what's possible, right? Because that's where it starts. People don't even know what's even possible for you to do. They don't see a lot of role models and all that across board. So we tend to fish out those role models and match them with people that would need this kind of help. And therefore, what we've seen uh, over time is that that encourages the interest to get people to study more, uh, take a particular Kind of courses, or just go do some short, short, short six month, three month boot camp, and make transitions into the industries. Yeah. Well,
1: how successful has that been so far?
2: So far, so good. We trained uh, dozens of people through the the program, and still we're still still on it. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, what how we've been uh, going on uh, with that for now. Yeah.
0: And that's great. We can bring it into our schools <laughs> at
2: some point with <laughs> all the students. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, the mentoring is a big one to help get a lot of people into tech. So it should be one of the things schools should consider.
1: Thank you so much, that was really interesting insight. If anyone wants more information on that episode or any of our other Opening Minds, Opening Doors episodes, you can go to the website openingmindsopeningdoors.co.uk or just search on socials Opening Minds, Opening Doors.
0: Opening Minds, Opening Doors is about a Create production for E-Act.